This following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. We all remember the big moments in the movies we see. The big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest movie microscope. My name is Nick Nunziata, and I'm your gracious host. Alongside me, the erstwhile, wintry, wet, and wild Justin Waddell. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you doing? I'm swell. Walking around with my master's coat on. Things are good. How are you living in the, uh, you love in the Zoom world? You've been doing a lot of Zoom meetings? Sort of, yeah. I've been Zooming in. Mm-hmm. Been living the dream. Been fucking taking it one step at a time. You know, living my... Living my life the only way I know how, a quarter mile at a time. Yeah, so you, your company, you, you do some, um, you, do you guys use Zoom? Do you use Microsoft Teams? Let's get into it. What's, we use, what's your big- we, we use Skype, man. We use Skype for fucking business. We use Zoom. Mm-hmm. And then we use, uh, like, walking right out up on a brother. Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't heard of that one. So yeah, I, I do. You know, do you do you do those uh, funny funny backgrounds? Are you are you that skilled? No, I put I I put a green screen around my penis. I just wrap it in green, and then they just see the universe in my crotch. Yeah, uh, I, I've been playing around with some funky backgrounds. Why are you in meetings? Huh. Yeah, of course I have meetings. I have meetings every every once in a while. Yeah, I have meetings with my with my team. Not that I'm the manager, but I'm I'm on a team that has meetings. That's ridiculous. And uh, the, my background is just words that says "COVID's a hoax." <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I haven't played with the backgrounds yet. I know that people are getting quite uh, skilled at the at them. Yeah, well, it's dumb. It's dumb. What movie would you? You know what movie would you use as a background if you could? If you were that technical, are you serious? Like mm-hmm. for real? Mm-hmm. Oh my god! I mean, that's a big one. You know, it's a, it's a tough question. But I'm gonna throw it up quickly at you. If you could any any movie you want as your background, literally like, any yeah. film. Mm-hmm. Oh man, probably Constantine. Just have Mammon back there. Same. <laughs> so guys it's a movie microscope we've been really paying attention to all the comments and we've been sorting through the mail and we really think you guys have uh, really stepped up as we've been so consistent so aggressive we've bounced back and forth we've brought guests we've done the classic group 
of just Justin and I. We've done everything for you. And, I, and I'm glad you guys are paying attention and letting us guide you through this, this Holocaust. Uh, take our hand. We will walk you through this. And uh, I think, I think the, the work speaks for itself. Don't take our hand. Don't take I'll our ta- hand. Take our hand. Don't take it. Take something. Um, Touch elbows. No, you got to grab us. That's the one thing. You got to take a risk, too. We can't just put our, our necks out there. You got to grab something. We're doing all the hard work here, sticking our neck out. Um, so if, if this is your first time, welcome. Um, we must have come here through Google or something, and uh, we appreciate your arrival. Uh, and if you guys aren't familiar with what the show is, uh, it's a show where we zoom in. We watch a film with wide open eyes and a closed mouth, and we smell it. And we absorb and the subcutaneous and the epidermal and all of the phalanges, everything happens. And then we sort out the make or break smalls. So if we we're talking about anything else, we're going to talk about the scene where Jason Biggs rides a hot air balloon right into Christina Ricci's coccyx. Talk about the little moments. There's many of which in Tango and Cash, the seminal film starring Mr. Sylvester Stallone, Mr. Kurt Russell, Mr. Jack Palance, Mr. Robert Zadar, Mr. Brian James, Ms. Terry Hatcher, Mr. Jeffrey Lewis, Mr. Michael J. Pollard, Mr. Clint Howard, Mr. Mm. Michael Jeter. The Jeep shows up. I know. One of the best. I love Michael Jeter. Skip, skipping back to anything else. Jason Biggs movie. Probably Woody Allen's most famous work, right? Do you think it's like some kind of cosmic joke that they would call a movie starring with Jason Biggs as the star? Call it anything else? <laughs> I'll take I'll take one ticket to anything else. I um, remember I had a host of that DVD for a giveaway, and I could not beg people to do the giveaway for it. So I had a stack, a stack. And if I remember right, the box was this worse. It, it had like her head in a bubble. Mm-hmm. Like she was like in a bubble and he was looking all confused. I think Woody Allen said, this, this gentleman is of Jewish persuasion. He's the next big thing. Let me make him my avatar. Did not he go saw, well. He, he, he saw the last name and he was like, I got to jump on this. This is the next big thing. It um, should have been his first clue should have been that there is a long history of people named Biggs getting cut out of things. Do you think that he threw a tantrum like he's trying to get Jason Biggs to be in his movie and it was he, he had to play hardball? How hard do you think it was for Woody Allen to get Jason Biggs in that film? Imagine that was at the pinnacle of his mini stardom. He may have thrown his weight around a little bit. I know. And it's just, I mean, I don't think people disagree. That's one of his best love films, right? Anything else? Yeah. Actually, I'm sure Biggs's line was, "I've wanted, I've wanted to work for Woody Allen my whole my whole life. This is mm-hmm. a dream come true. I hope he doesn't bang his daughter." Yeah, Jason Biggs said he'll never work with Woody Allen again. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that? Um, do you think uh, that? Uh, I think Woody Allen was. Is that one of the movies he was in? You know, he, he would he would pop up in some later. I'm on. I'm sure. I'm sure he showed up. You think he's in that? Do you think he wanted to be in it, wrote a role, role for himself just to act with the superstar that is Jason Biggs? Well, Biggs was a last-minute replacement. 
don't know if you read about this, but um, he was like, they had to call him in at the 11th hour to replace the original lead. So, I mean, you got to give him credit for learning the lines quick and getting on that set post haste. Yeah. So, yeah. Who who was the original actor? uh, The Barbarian Brothers. (laughs) I wonder if Jason Biggs has ever been in a movie where he played twins, you know? Yeah. Is that, is that, when you get that offer to play two roles, is that the kiss of death to play, you know, to play twins? You get paid once, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jeffrey Irons did, or uh, Jeremy Irons yeah. did it, Dead Ringers, but great movie. But like, who's who else has done it amazingly? I think Army Hammer. That's right. Nice. In the Social Network. Yep, I think. Uh, I mean, the Mantle Brothers is definitely the best example of that I could think of. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, Eddie, I, Norton, I Eddie to... Norton. Eddie Norton played Twins, Leaves of Grass, right? Yeah, little uh, adaptation of a pretentious, uh, what's his name, guy? What's the guy? William Wharton? No, what's the guy? No, the, uh, the guy that, the the guy that made. Um, what is his name? Why can't I remember it? The Like, I contain multitudes guy. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a he's a pretentious. It's a pretentious, you know. He's a he's an old poet. What yeah, he's a dumb name? piece of shit. I don't think that movie's based on him. His it's writing. A, it's a it's a it is. It's got to be. It's you, inspired uh, by it's inspired by somebody, right? Am I wrong? I mean, the title is definitely "Leaves of Grass" is a uh, is a title of a famous Thoreau. What's his damn name? No, What's the guy's not name? Thoreau. Not Thoreau. Uh, Teddy uh, Teddy Ruxpin, Wadsworth, Walt Whitman, Walt Whitman in the house. Yeah, uh, yeah. Walt Whitman's great. Never mind, forget everything I said. Um, yeah, I, I star of yeah. Breaking Bad, star of Breaking Bad. Yeah, that was a Tim Blake Nelson movie. Wow. Um, that was it. Didn't Leaves of Grass Grass show up in Breaking Bad? I think it did. Well, Walt Whitman's works did. I don't remember if it was that book. It had to be. What else did that fucker do? Not, Not, much. Not much. Uh, Not he, much. He wrote. He wrote a ton. Um, he I was actually I one of the writers. Early one of the early writers of Tango and Cash. I like how you bring it home. Um. Yeah, it must have been Leaves of Grass because that is his biggest. I got you know. I got to talk. I got to talk to. Uh, I got to talk to Gail Bedecker and find out. But um. Walt Whitman died in the eighteen hundreds, so let's not. He doesn't even count. Um. He tried. He tried to make it. He tried to make it into the 1900s. That was his goal. He failed. I remember. Yeah. He... Um. I remember the third time I saw Leaves of Grass in the theater. Uh, <laughs> it's a huge hit for old Norty. Yeah. His his uh. He kicked the twin out of the editing room, from what I understand. <laughs> All right. So Tango and Cash, uh, a movie that. A little bit of a notorious film. Notorious for being a blast. Um, notorious for it wasn't a huge hit, right? Is that correct? At the time, it's become a, a beloved thing. You mind if I zoom in, Nick? Go ahead. And reveal something that not a lot of people know: a troubled production. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, a lot of art requires a little struggle to make it uh, make it out on top. Was that no a better quote? From uh, old Walt Whitman. 
<laughs> Sounds like something you'd say. Yeah, well. Yeah. It was a trouble production, but you know, time has uh time it stood the test of time. Was the juice worth the squeeze? Absolutely. Oh yeah, man. They really nailed it. Now, I don't think I have ever seen this movie. If I, I have, believe they haven't made a sequel. I have I've seen it. If I did see it, it was way back and I saw it one time. This is the kind of movie Stallone needs to revisit like he's done with Rocky and Rambo. He needs to bring Tango and Cash back. Stallone wants to, or he at least of last year, I read that he wanted to bring this movie like the he wanted to revisit Ray Tango and Gabe Cash. Yeah. But I I don't know how to tell you this. Kurt Russell, not too interested. <laughs> not interested. Because he's getting hired like a boss. Yeah, but Stallone's not doing too shabby. No, he's doing great. I was just anxious to see um, they're going to modernize it. Yeah. So they're going to call it, they're going to call it the robot in Bitcoin, from what I understand. <laughs> Ray Tango. Yeah. And Gabe it's, Cash. So that's that's in the middle tier of Stallone's characters' names, I, I'd say. It's a good one. That's a good it's a lovely name. Um I couldn't have told you, I, I don't think, even though we've talked about his names a lot, before I sat down to watch this one, I it was fifty fifty on who was gonna play Tango and who was Cash. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't I mean I you know sure. there's a vowel at the end, you know it's Stallone. Gotta be ethnic, man. Mm-hmm. But how many how many um other than Stallone's own Gabe Walker in Cliffhanger, how many other action heroes right. are called Gabe in the world? Right, and do they do they give him? Do they give Kurt Russell the full Gabriel in this? I mean, he gets him? he gets called that in the legal proceedings, but he goes by mm-hmm. Gabe to his friends and to his enemies. You know, mm-hmm. calls by goes by Cash, and then sometimes Stallone, who is somehow a cop and uh, heavily invested in the stock market in this, and talks about it. A, a, a little bit and just dressed like a stock stockbroker. Um, he'll talk about cash in this movie and not refer to Kurt Russell. It's a little confusing, you know, oh, okay. but you know what I'm saying? He is a little bit t- Ray Tango, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, hard bitten. Like he's like a, he's like a, no, he's not. He's, he's a, he's, he's a cop with, what, what, how would you describe him? You describe old old Ray Tango in this. Well, he's a guy who could. He the, everybody's surprised he's still a cop because he's killing it as he's a stockbroker. He's rich. Yeah, he's nailing it, and uh, you know he. But he's also he's also a glory hound. He likes to he likes to get the ink. Both of these guys do. They're both sensational. They love to be on the paper, and I think it's hilarious with the role the newspaper play. The newspaper cannot get enough of these two. That's how the, this film communicates to its audience is through newspaper headlines. And that's the only unrealistic thing about this movie really is how much ink these two policemen get. They're um, unorthodox cops. They, they, uh, they crash, they crash the bad guys parties in hard ways. <laughs> and, uh, and the bad guys are very mad. They don't like it. And uh, so the could not be more orthodox cops. And they, uh, and they, uh, the cops decide. And this, the big, the the big bad, uh, Jack, played by Jack Palance, uh, decides that he's going to frame these cops to get them out of the picture, so he can do his bad stuff without these two idiots getting in his hair. 
Yeah. Yeah. So Jack Palance is a fucking pestilence. That guy sucks. You don't like him? I hate him so much. I got a good name though. I don't know what it is. I've always he's always just bothered me as a man. He's got a great voice. Like it's kind of his 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 whole acting style comes from it. It's just his the way he delivers his lines, you know. He's uh, got that Faye Dunaway face. <laughs> what does that mean? He's got a he's got a two D face. He's got a two D face. He's got a mm-hmm. you know, it looks like a like a like a Nintendo Wii character. Packs of life reference. Yeah. Two D face. So let's okay, here's one of the things about this movie. Mm-hmm. It's a film trapped in time. Right. Released in eighty nine. It is too late to fit in with the films it's trying to be. Beverly Hills Cop slash Lethal Weapon. Mm-hmm. And it's too early to be the, a part of the next generation of, of you know, like the 90s action films. So it's sort of this weird curiosity that is it's charming, goofy, ridiculous, and sort of iconic in its own right. You agree? I I kind of do agree. It's it does feel it feels like it's trying to comment on the buddy cop genre, but doesn't have a whole lot to say. The one thing it does that people have made fun of for a long time, and I was kind of prepared for it, but I didn't know what you know. By the end of it, I just it just ended up being kind of a cute <laughs> a cute thing. Is you know Ray Tango and Gabe Cash are obviously in love in this movie. You know, they they uh, they have feelings for each other. And so people have made I've heard, you know, people make comment on like the the gay, the homosexual subtext of this film. Um, So I was prepared for it to be, I guess, watching. I was prepared for it to be weird or something like to be kind of um, jammed in there. But actually, it's just kind of cute. You kind of root for them to be together. Um, And it's just kind of you kind of find this movie the movie to be kind of cute. I, I it's guess charming. it's charming. Um, it seems kind of harmless to me, this movie. Oh, it's definitely um, harmless. And it's not, it's not mean. It's not a mean movie. I think a lot of movies where maybe people would have underlined that, like uh, it, it would have come across as mean. And this movie doesn't. Um, and I part, I think a large part of it is, you know, you got Kurt Russell being, Kurt Russell in this, like he's just being, you know, his, 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 you know, um, I don't know. How do you, how do you, would you describe his, his hang, his, his shaggy dog self? How would you describe Kurt Russell? If it wasn't for that hair, man, if it wasn't for that hair, I'd say he's being his shaggy dog self, but he is, his hair is on fire. Looks like a lion in this a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But Stallone plays it like he plays it like kind of uptight and nerdy through this whole thing. And it's you don't get a lot of this that kind of performance from Stallone. Um, you know, you hear that he's a badass cop, but you don't really get to see that a whole lot in this. He's talking about stocks a lot. Well, he he's I mean he's a he is a, he's a tough. I mean, he takes on a semi with a tiny gun. Right. I mean, there there are certain scenes where he's getting to be his cop, uh, cop self, but for the most part, he's just um, you know he's 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 trying to be, be protective of his sis played by Terry Hatcher. Uh, He's trying to, you know, he's got banter for days with Kurt Russell. Uh, You know, there's not a whole lot of action in this movie. Like you said, towards the end of it, 
they kind of give up on the action a little bit. It's more like they, a, just a comedy. Like a, when it's at its best, comedy. it's just the two of them hanging out, like right. trading bad. Even though some of the Stallone's line deliveries are a little stiff at, at points, um, where well they'll try to like add li- like li- they add, they pile on lines after one another. Stallone gets a short shrift there because he ends up repeating his delivery a couple of times. But right. really, it's just fun watching these two guys because their styles could not be more different. They both are hugely iconic '80s guys. Mm-hmm. And 70s to an extent, um, it's it is like a like a like two heavyweights in the in, in the same film together. When it tries to be an action film, it kind of suffers because it's numbing, and it, it features some of the worst stunt doubles. I don't know if you remember in the in the early sequences, they try a little bit with Stallone. They don't even try at all with Kurt Russell. The stunt <laughs> yeah. doubles are ridiculous. Yeah, they got some some dude wearing like a, a Riggs wig from Lethal Weapon. Being, yeah. you know, um, speaking of wigs, yes, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Lewis's hair in this movie. <laughs> what in the 17 hells was that? I didn't really notice. I mean, I just like to see Jeffrey Lewis in this. I'm a big fan of Way of the Gun, uh, Christopher McQuarrie movie, and uh, he had a, a bit part in that. He was very good in that, and so I was hey. just happy to see him in this. Okay, he was great in the Clint Eastwood eight movies. And he was wonderful in, in Salem's Lot. And he was wonderful at, at the party I went to where he was sitting by the pool being a Scientologist. That's right. You actually went to a party he was there. And his daughter was there, right? Julia, his Julia, daughter, Julia. him, and Giovanni Ribisi and his little sist. It's a whole gang, man. Mar- Marissa Ribisi was there? I was, you know, to be honest, I don't get starstruck much. But for some reason, Jeffrey Lewis got me on the old butterflies being really? around that man, yeah, I felt a little, a little tempted by the fruit. Did you, did you tick? Did you, um, did you talk to the man? I did. He was a super sweetie. He was weird as fuck. Does he go by Jeff? He said, uh, he said, please refer to me as Jeffrey Lewis from Salem's Lot. <laughs> what did he play in Salem's Lot? I don't remember that. He was a one of the villagers. He ends up becoming possessed and sits in a rocking chair. How do you not remember that? I Sitting there in the that. rocket chair with the glowing eyes, being all freaky, Jeff. Mm-mm. R.I.P.? Oh, yeah, super dead. Not very long, though, right? No, he's been dead a long time, and he'll be dead forever. Zoom in. <laughs> you never know. You never know. You can't You can't add your... Who knows what's going to happen? You know? I'm, that's true. There's a lot of... There's zero precedent. Um, and this, then, thing Eddie, re, this thing may reboot, Nick. Eddie, Bunk, Eddie Bunker. I forgot he was in that, too. Yeah, from... Dead as well. uh, from also, Reservoir, right? And and from prison. He's so dead. Hmm. All right. Well, let's 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 back it up. We haven't really talked about the start of the film. You, you how does the movie kick off? Do you you've seen this movie quite a bit, so you you probably have it memorized, right? I have dialogue memorized because we used to w- drive around with audio tapes of quotes from the movie. Um but uh it starts off with Stallone uh, thwarting a semi, if I remember correctly. And who is he thwarting? Robert Zadar. And what is, you know, that Robert Zadar is a beloved actor by our old pot, by us from by our, our old podcast. Po- yeah. What's his, we were, what's his trademark? What's his trademark, Nick? Just being a really good actor. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, uh, he's, he's got that massive, massive goddamned on his head. It's just the worst, disgusting chin you could imagine on a boy. 
and uh, he's got it in spades. Got a big and, jaw. Yeah, it's and he had a disease, like he had some sort of a uh, some sort of a you know problem. He died. Jeffrey Lewis died in 2015, so he's been he's been spiraling through the ether for five years now. Um, and Robert Zadar died like three years ago, so he's also handing uh, handing tick tickets to the Charon as well. But um, yeah, so Zadar was like notorious for the Maniac Cop movies, and right. he had an enormous face. And uh, he, did, and he was yeah, obviously a very memorable presence in films. Like you know, I always like enjoyed seeing him show up. And in this, he gets to play a featured baddie. At the beginning <laughs> of the movie, he is thwarted by Stallone, but later they meet up with him when they are uh, they get sent to prison, and uh, he's a big thwart on their side. Right. Um, he plays a little bit of a ridiculous bad guy in this, in that he's always kind of non-threatening and getting. Um, the rug pulled out from under him. And at the end, he gets the electricity pulled out from under him or put it. Yeah, he actually, but he has the upper hand for the majority of that fight. Towards the end, he does. Yeah. They start turning him. They try to turn him into like a kind of a more threatening uh, person before he dies. It sort of works. But he's got some cute, is there some cute stuff with him? Like, you know, they actually make fun of his jaw in the movie, which is great. And his last uh, words are like, his last words are like uh, tango. Yeah. But his best, like one of the lines that me and my buddy used to love was where he's like, you don't look so bad. You don't look so tough now. Do you, you fuck? <laughs> the way he says that. <laughs> so great. I just screamed that in the neighborhood. Um, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's amazing. So I, say that, I say that in the mirror every day, every morning. It's like my mantra. No, and this, um, thing, the, this film has the distinction of actually bringing a lot of those great little guys, you know, like having Clint Howard and having Robert Zadar and having... Louis Arquette, like people that kind of a lot of us champion who are those guys that are, you know, second, third tier kind of character actors or like B movie stars. So there is there's like a little indie cred just to have some of those guys in there um, so that you got to that gets a, and Brian James, who's like one of the one of the, the key elements of this movie. It's just great seeing him get this kind of role because it's a goofy role. gets a lot of screen time. It, he's ridiculous. You don't buy him for a second as, a, as a, when he's trying to be physical with these guys, but it's Brian James, and he somehow makes it work. Well, Brian James, like the first half of this movie, Brian James, who we who you can listen to us talk about um, in an earlier episode, earlier my, movie microscope podcast, the horror show, the horror show where he plays the villain Max Janky. Janky. Yeah, and so here he's he's playing a. A, like kind of a second in command bad guy to uh, Jack Palance. And he's like, uh, doesn't talk the first half of the movie. And he's like kind of this threat that's this looming threat. And you're like, oh man, this guy, he's formidable. But then he opens his mouth about halfway through and out comes this really bad Cockney accent. It's abominable. I didn't realize it was Cockney until I read about it. I thought he was trying to do something else. <laughs> And then Stallone apparently was so impressed with this accent that he, he gave uh, Brian James more lines. Because I, I don't think, think he was impressed. I think he found it to be charming ridiculous. and fun. And, yeah. yeah. It was kind of fun. Plus, it I makes mean, everybody else look like better actors just by comparison. Right. I mean, it does seem like they're having fun in this in this movie. But like I said, it was a troubled production. They went through. I think Stallone was typing it up as they went. Right. Like, wasn't he doing some script doctoring? Yeah, and, but uh, Stallone's actually, he does that with a lot of his films, and he's actually a, a good, 
he's usually an, he aggregates towards the positive when he does that kind of stuff because he he knows he's talented writer, talented writer, smart guy, but he fired Barry Sonnefeld. Do you read this as <laughs> yes, a cinematographer because he wasn't getting lit right? Sonnefeld wasn't lighting Stallone right. I mean, and that's a, that's the thing cr- is they, cr- they crushed that career. Well, they dodged. Uh, he did dodge a bullet because that's one thing I noticed when I watched this. I was like, man, Stallone looks. He looks lit. He looks <laughs> he looks amazing in the light. Um, yeah. Anyway, Trouble Production. I did you hear about all the people that were up for this movie? Yeah, there's like, some interesting names. Yeah, I could go through some of them. No, you haven't written down. I'm sure. I don't. I just read, read real quick. Um, they, I think Stallone was always attached, but it was who was going to play Cash. Patrick right? Swayze was originally going to be Pat. Uh, going to be Cash. Mm-hmm. And then he he did Roadhouse, and then he died. Um, and then, uh, but uh, yeah, he left this project for Roadhouse. Do you think that this was a good is choice? not unlike the other? Yeah, actually, was. But think about this: like just like we were talking about the other day with Basic Instinct, mm-hmm. Michael Bean, Pierce Brosnan, Kevin Costner, Harrison Ford, Richard Gere, Mel Gibson, Don Johnson, Michael Keaton, Ray Liotta, who always pops up in these, Liam Neeson, Michael Norrie, who would have been perfect, Gary Oldman, Robert Patrick, <laughs> Bill Paxton, Ron Perlman, Dennis Quaid, Garrison, East, Bruce Willis. James Woods and Johnny Five were all considered for this role. Uh, Michael Norrie from The Hidden? Yeah. Oh, my God. How did he make any list? I think he, they were positioning him to be a thing. And yeah. I can see why. He's actually kind of good. He looks he's, the part. He's kind of good. He good doesn't the connect. Yeah, he's great in The Hidden. But, I mean, honestly, on paper... Michael Norrie is no different than Don Johnson or any of these other fucks if they don't get the right work, you know. So you, you know, uh, left up one very important superstar that they were gonna they were gonna cast at one point Johnny Depp in this. Oh, that would have sucked. Back when it was called Rango and Cash. <laughs> Let me <laughs> killed it. So at the beginning of the movie, you see Ray Tango. Wait, real quick, by the way, this is not trivia. None of this shit. Because every single film, when it reaches a certain stage, the agency that they're partnering with gives them a list of all these guys. So every film has this list of people to pick from. Right. So it's it's a a misnomer. I think a lot of people just assume that, you know, this is uh, this is like a kismet. But it's just a fucking they're throwing darts, man. They're saying who's available, who's willing to do it. Who's willing to work with Stallone? You know, yeah, it's not an easy, well, it's not an easy mix. I, you know, that's the thing. I, you know, it's good that they got Russell because he brings he brings so much charm to this movie. You know, like that character. You know, th- I think both him and Stallone are bringing a lot of work to kind of underwritten characters. Obviously, you know, this but, film would be shakedown if it wasn't for those two guys, <laughs> which we're um, doing on episode ninety nine. And uh, was Nori was Nori up for shakedown? Could you can you check it out? I will look it up. Get back to me. Um, Honestly, anyway, they so, probably would have loved to have him in that movie. So we meet Stallone shooting, a, shooting at a, stopping a truck of bad guys, and then we meet uh, Russell you, walking into his apartment. Do you like how we're a half hour into this and we're talking about the opening scene? <laughs> I'm trying to get to it, but I just <laughs> think it's funny because they do a weird thing in this movie where Kurt Russell's checking out headlines at home, and he gets shot through his mirror i love that that's uh, that's great and twice in the chest and then proceeds to chase the bad guy uh and having a have a huge like a parking deck deck um uh, chase 
But the whole time they never explained till later that how he survived getting shot. He certainly doesn't look like he's wearing. He's wearing a tank any- top. I don't know where the hell he hid this vest. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like later they they explain that he's wearing a very thin bulletproof vest and he's got some bruises on his chest because what he does is he takes off his shirt in the police department and walks shirtless through <laughs> through the police department and grabs some pizza. And uh, hey, hey, yeah, whoa, 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 pizza. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. And he also puts on the most 1989 shirt available when he's at the police station. Yeah, he's like always wearing low hanging weird. Yeah, it's almost like a pirate shirt. He's wearing those throughout this movie. He's always wearing a loose, loose. It shirt. looks like something Travolta wore in Perfect. <laughs> but there is yeah. also this the movie was originally called The Setup, and the guy wasn't intended to kill him. It was supposed to be a frame up job, so maybe. That was part of it, too. They knew he'd be wearing a vest. He wasn't actually trying to kill him. He didn't go for the head, head I guess. Yeah. That parking lot, I don't remember that parking deck scene at all. It's it's ridiculous. And the the, the negligent destruction of property is, is embarrassing. But we, the best thing about this movie, which I never paid attention to until this viewing, mm-hmm. the theme music that Harold Faltermeyer foisted upon Kurt Russell. It is the most bonkers, goofball, batshit shit I've ever heard as theme music for a character. Ray Tango gets this kind of cool Harold Faltermeyer, Harold Faltermeyer, like Top Gun, you know, cool shit. Kurt Russell gets the goofiest, whimsical Hawaii music shit. It's a nightmare. You need to hear this. It is embarrassing. And there's a, they bring it back in the film, and it took me out of the movie. Because I'd forgotten about how ridiculous it was. And then later on in the movie, he gets his theme music again, and I shit myself. It's embarrassing. But you, does it have a ukulele? It's, it's, it's just terror. It's pure terror. Well, we got we to gotta clip that up. We got to put that on the old Instagram account for people to hear. Oh, you yeah. Think? People are dying for it. Yeah, people are did dying. You know, did you notice? So, you know, Kurt Russell sits at his desk. And he's, he's obviously... Uh, not phased by this assassination attempt. He's he's uh, going through his, you know, puts clothes on, going through his, he has his, he has a ridiculous gun in this, by the way. And he's <laughs> a, a weird, like, sci-fi looking gun. And then you find out later that he's kind of got a Q. He's kind of got like a James Bond Q character that makes like in weapon inventions for him. Yes. Which is insane. Um, but he opens his desk drawer and did you see what was in there? Tell me. Lots of candy okay. and some uh, chewable uh, granola bars. He's a big fan of the chewy granola bars. And I got to say, I, I prefer those to the hard ones as well. If I could just zoom in. I rest my goddamn case. (laughs) They are making fun of Gabe Cash from the jump. Yeah, but he's making fun of himself, too. You know, Kurt Russell certainly doesn't seem like he's taking this character very seriously. And neither does Stallone. Um, You know, obviously, there's a lot of second guessing behind the scenes, but it certainly feels like these are very confident performances. These guys think they're hilarious, you know? 
and they're well, certainly having fun with each other. You know, it's they're a having- beautiful period of time before we got really cynical with our movies, mm-hmm. where these guys are able to comment on things and be completely goofy without the punish, you know, the repercussions of their actions. It was one right. of the last innocent films, really, of that genre because things got hard and edgy. And I don't think they've now, now when 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 a movie of this genre is is silly, it's silly in in a, in a different kind of way. Like well, so people won't buy this now. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could kind of, I guess you could kind kind of, like I guess you're saying it was trying to to ape Shane Black scripts a little bit. You know, certainly not as clever, but you know, it kind of reminded me of of certainly of, of some of his stuff, some of the, the jokiness. Um, so they, these guys are rivals. Like they, they, they're, they're competitive with, with each other. They, they keep abreast of the headlines. They're jealous of the other guys' headlines. When they meet up, they're always kind of butting heads, but it's never, they never hate each other. All the lines have like this underlying, like, uh, you know, friendship, at least under it, you know? And so when they're, they're annoyed at each other, but when they go to prison, um, from then on, like, you know, obviously they're still at odds, but they, they team up and from the, for the rest of the movie, they're, they're almost a couple. I'd say they are a couple. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, Terry uh, Hatcher is interjected into this movie, um, as the love interest. And I'm sure I'm not saying anything that people haven't already said, but she's Ray Tango's sister. Kurt Russell could care less about Terry Hatcher. He, she's, he's supposed to be her kind of. You know, you hear him talk about how he's going to date, date yeah. her. And when he and says that I'm going to date her, you know, he's not serious. And Ray Tango, he's annoyed, but it just almost seems like it's like, let's just cut to the chase. We'll be together. Well, keep you in know, mind, like there's a me. scene later on where he walks in and she's giving him a back massage and they do this awkward trying way too hard to make it seem, you know, salacious when it's not. Right, They do like a three's company thing. Yeah, but she's what giving is, her a massage. You know, but Stallone doesn't break it up. He just waits and lingers and listens. Well, he puts his hand over his face because he is like, thinking he's he's trying to visualize. He's like, just 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 you know, he's trying to CGI her out of it and just watch her pelvic thrusts upward. At the end of the movie, she's in the middle of them and they high five over her. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like. <laughs> Two police around a fowler jack balance. Tango wants to be a stockbroker. Gabe Cash just want to wear those clothes and chew from his boot. Sucking on a bottle of soap inside the prison shower. Cash scrubbing his hair, Tango got that shaking in his knees. Cash says, hey Tango, let's escape from the slammer. Go over to your sister's place and do what we please, said. Oh yeah, life goes on. Long after you blow a load out your gun. Oh yeah, life goes on. Long after you blow a load. Your gun, it blows on. 
Tango sits back and cleans his humongous glasses Scratches his head and eyes his favorite drag queen Well, now that cat, we ought to battle on the body Cass says, hey, Tango, get your ass on this couch Oh, yeah, life goes on Long after you blow a load out your gun Life goes on Long after you blow A load out your gun You are Ain't the rock Ain't been down They're too scared to be feminine Hold on to tango As long as you can Change is coming around real soon man Cops doing the best that they can. There, and she she actually gets a strip tease in this movie. So she's a, she's a dancer at a club. Now it's not a strip club, I guess, but she's a dancer, an erotic dancer, and she comes out to to Yaz. Do you know that band Yaz? You remember them? Yeah, yeah, played for the Red Sox. The, the the song "Don't Stop." I was surprised to hear that that song choice. Well, it's weird at the beginning of the movie. He, she's talking about leaving town, mm-hmm. and then she is totally in town. When right, he, he it's you're introduced to her, and they they they're trying to keep it up in the air. You don't know that's they're they're siblings, and in fact, you think that he's that's his he's he's interested in her romantically, and. Um, then come to find out, obviously, that the, that's his sister. But, yeah, she, she talks about leaving town. He doesn't want her to. And then, hey, who knows? Maybe that club's out of town, just right outside. Yeah. But uh, it's funny. She is she is an equal participant in this movie because she gets an equally unbelievable stunt double during that scene. So she is not exempt from the stunt ball. So they shot a very hardcore sex scene, and I've got a piece of the soundtrack from that. Um, they uh, actually... <laughs> This is the sex scene. Between uh, Stallone and Russell? <laughs> did they did they wait? So did they um I think she gets a stunt double in the in the dancing scenes a little bit. That's what I'm did saying. You know? That's what I'm saying. She gets a stunt. Yeah, absolutely. They, it's it's pretty egregious how they cut away. They cut away to what looks like a male share dancing, and then they cut back to Terry Hatcher like doing the 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 land of finishing move, you know? Let me just do a little sidebar here. Terry Hatcher, what a great name. I love that yeah. name. Terry yeah. Hatcher. I Miss Gar's parents agree. Yeah, they love it. Who? But Ms. Gar's parents. <laughs> I'll tell you what though, you know what's funny is I remember her being ravishing in this film, and she's mm-hmm. not. 
I think she's she's attractive. I, here's the thing about Terry Gar, or I'm sorry, Terry <laughs> um, she qu- quite a bit of success on TV, right? She was Desperate Housewives, but did she have much of a career in movies? She did for a brief, you know, and then she did the nude scene, The Hot Spot, which everybody was excited about. Okay. And then she did the really weird nude scene in Heaven's Prisoners where she looks sickly. And those were... I don't remember. See, I don't remember Heaven's Prisoners. That well, we're much. doing that for episode 95. You, so and it's probably. a movie you like, right? Out I love. Them. I love yeah, that yeah. movie. Yeah. You know, what's funny is I recently purchased it and hopefully we get to watch that together. Hopefully by, by the time we roll into the 90s, we're able to see each other again um, because I started to rewatch it and then turn it off thinking... This is not what I remember. I want to wait for Justin because I remember it being dark. I mean, it's one of the Robichaux books. You know, those great, uh, what is it? James Lee Burke Robichaux books. Mm-hmm. And it has a great cast. And then I, I started to feel weird watching it. Like, oh, I hope my memories aren't as, aren't right. overselling this. So we'll wait. We'll wait and see. But this is yeah, what I, I did like that movie happening. Like. This is what I picture happening. You and I on a couch, your wife in between us. And then me high fiving you during the movie, the whole time. It, it, by the way, if we had to pick, who would you who would you be, Ray Tango or Gabe Cash? Like, because one of us has to be. I mean, I definitely, I'm definitely a Stallone guy first, but they're both. I mean, Cash is a better, cooler guy, and he's more fun. He has a better theme music for sure. He definitely has a better theme music. And is uh, that the guy that did Beverly Hills Cop? Same guy. Uh, and Top Gun, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um. Terry Hatcher cast in this movie because she looked like they they thought she was more believable as Stallone's sister than the original actress. <laughs> hey, it's a uh, your phone's <laughs> ringing. Is that your ringtone? <laughs> you should make that your ringtone. That'd be perfect for that to go off in certain situations. That should uh, be my. Uh, that should be my. That should be the uh, the alert that comes on when I need to take my diarrhea medicine. <laughs> I'll just title. I'll, I'll title this, it uh, Maggie Q. In this pandemic-stricken world, you outside with your phone going off with that ringtone would be would be <laughs> perfect. Um, all right, so these guys get framed. So the bad guy frames them in a weird scene. He talks about it. Jack Palance talks about framing these cops that are just driving him nuts they keep this they keep taking all his uh disrupting all his uh, uh his uh drug deals and and taking all the drugs from his uh you know his his outfit and he goes i'm gonna set these guys up um and he does it but he the way he does it he describes it very visually he uses some well he calls them he calls them mice but he's obviously using rats Right, rice. He does this whole stupid thing about mice in a maze and this and that. Amen. And Amen. and his two and his two partners could not be more smart and right. They're like, let's just kill this guy and get over with. And he's like, no, let's. I want to play this really elaborate, ridiculous game with them. And they're like, we just. And the funny thing is, this is something great. These two characters, uh, I think James Hong is one of them. Um, yeah. they're always together. Is it James Wong or Hong? One of the. I think it's Hong. And he's and he's from uh, he's he was in Chinatown, right? He, he's big he trouble, in little career. China. Yeah, he's in a lot of shit. Yeah, he's in um, a Kurt Russell movie, and now he's in the grave. But uh, are you sure they, they're always together, mm-hmm. those two guys? And there's a scene later on where they're having a video conference with Jack Palance, and it's zooming into them like it like it's actually pro professionally shot, and it's so it's like zooming in on different guys. Like it's hilarious. 
But these guys exist just to be together for his purposes, and they're obviously two rival like gang lords that he works with. Yet they're always together. So yeah, to- they they're trying to catch up to what he wants to do, and he's he he grabs these uh, mice out of this this ornate box that he has, and he and he he says, you know, these are this is Tango and Cash, and then he puts them in this this elaborate glass maze to to, to tell everybody that he's going to set them up and put them in prison. And, guys, um, this is what analog PowerPoint looks like. <laughs> and they're standing there like, okay, you know, we're, they're kind of following it. But, um, and then later they said, well, why, you, like Nick's saying, like, why put them in jail and not just kill them? And he goes, what makes you think I'm not going to get, you know, kill them in jail? <laughs> no, but first he, he's, he's, his thing is killing them would make them martyrs. So That's if we right. disgrace them, they'll be, you know, we'll be free and clear. It's, it's, and, and it's, the, I love this movie and I'm defensive of this movie but the bad guys are so underwritten and the whole plot of it is so threadbare. It's so hard when you watch well, a movie now with your, with your intelligence to like, not really get pissed at this stuff. And I think, I think Palance like took this movie because he wanted to act with Stallone. They, there's three scenes in the original script where he was actually had scenes with some of the characters, some of the stars, and he has no scenes with the, these guys. He talks about them, and there's a scene where he shows up when they're in prison <laughs> it's in the background. The way he but... fades into the smoke destroyed me this time. There's this one shot of him fading into the smoke, and I was giggling like an idiot yeah, because of how up, ridiculous it is. They get thrown in prison. They think they're going to go to this country club prison, but they get the old switcheroo. They take these deals. Well, these guys. Well, so first, get, okay, the courtroom yeah, scene is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Yeah, that's a course. great scene. That is a great scene because right. it, it you get these two guys. This is the first time they're sort of together and they get without set up for a, they get set up for a cop's murder. Right. That's what's right. happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And thanks to the fancy audio editing of Michael Jeter and they um they're in this courtroom scene and they're both they have this like private powwow about how to deal with this and to take this deal and all that. And then they're there and Stallone. It's a great showcase of each character's sort of modus operandi. Stallone gives a sort of impassioned eloquent speech that's about the team and about the department right. and for things not to reflect poorly on the department you know he does a really noble thing kind of falls on the sword a little bit for his people and then kurt russell gets up there and says that the whole thing fucking sucks <laughs> he shouts it <laughs> yes it's so great yeah. and then he's they sit he sits down and he gives Stallone this amazing gesture. he well, gives him the shrug Stallone is Stallone is extolling the virtues of the LAPD and talking about how every cop he's ever worked with is a good cop and ex- exemplary human being, you know, hasn't yeah. aged that well, hasn't aged that well. Well, the, the LAPD uh, fell upon harder times. Zoom in. <laughs> during, during and before and after this. Um, and always. Yeah. And, and the tie that Stallone is wearing in that courtroom, Nick. Oh, my <laughs> Lordy, do you remember this tie? No, it's got. I was, too, I was too busy looking at them fucking glasses. You could you could look at that tie and do like math homework at it. <laughs> it is has several shapes, um, different colors. But you know, Stallone is he, he's always wearing like a suit in this. I'm surprised in prison. In prison, he gets to wear his Stallone tee, tight tee. But I'm surprised in, in prison he he didn't have like a suit hanging up in a cell. You know, he gets. That's the thing in prison. These two, like uh, uh, Gabe Cash, gets absolutely shit on in prison. Like he's not having a good time. Stallone <laughs> is loving it. He takes over. He's he's 
his uh, his cellmate is um, Clint, Clint Howard, Howard. <laughs> who, who, try, who tries to be threaten Sloan to be a like a psycho, and somehow he, he, his character has a slinky in prison, and then when uh, Sloan's trying to read paper, he slinkies Sloan's paper in half. Yeah, and then Stallone tries to read the shred of paper that's left. It's adorable. <laughs> and then they cut to they cut to the their night times where Russell is getting farted on on the bottom <laughs> bunk by his cellmate, and they cut to Stallone, and Stallone has is enjoying like the best night of his life. Yeah, he is a uh, tied up Clint Howard with the slinky, and yeah. muffled him somehow. And, and, and the just, great thing, yeah, and later on in the film, when Kurt Russell comes to the cell, Clint, Clint Howard cannot be more gracious. He's happy to meet him. He's a sweetie. He's got a, he's, he's, he's been institutionalized by Stallone. <laughs> Stallone. So, you know, it, the, the set design of Clint Howard's cell is like they're trying to make you think he's like a psycho. But the only things they really do is they put up like an article talking about his crime. But then there's a certain things hanging in the cell. Like there's like a, a couple of stuffed animals and there's like this like an ape action figure. Yeah. And I thought it was cute. Cause once Stallone it ties up, you know, you know, ties him up with a slinky, he hangs that ape action figure on the slinky. Did you notice that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, what's funny it. though. The film, the film does this gets a lot of production value though. They, there's this one shot or there's a series of shots where they completely make you believe that his character is insane and creepy and weird. They just mm -hmm. show Clint Howard's face. Does all the work for him. Yeah. Speaking of, we need to do Evil Speak on here at some point because that movie was another big one for me. Huge. I've not seen it. I have never. I've never seen it. The the one. Can I can I tease I, you? What? There's a scene where Clint Howard hovers in the air with a giant sword while pigs walk underneath him. This is. I have to see it then. Um, okay. I've never seen it. I've just never. I've. In fact, I don't even is he the is he the bad guy? In it? I don't he's even know. The, he's the he's the lead of the film and the tragic figure of the film. Okay, evil speak. One word. I don't mean to brag, but that sound you hear in the background is all my sales coming through from today. Congratulations, Boom. man! Hell nice. yeah! It's about only only four hours too late to count towards tomorrow. Thank you guys. It's nice to see uh, you keeping afloat in these desperate days, Nick. I'm shining right now, dog. Speaking shining. of desperate. Speaking of the the movie does get its one gay panic joke in here when they're they, they go to prison, these two are immediately naked in the shower. Now they're having the time of their lives, they're having this conversation in the shower, left alone, commenting on each other's um, genitalia. Everything's kinda happy, but at one point Russell reaches for the soap and then that's that's when you get Stallone. <laughs> Stallone is taken aback. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's the one kind of gay panic thing they do in this. But Russell is just annoyed. He's like, I'm just grabbing. He's like, don't flatter yourself. That's what he says. Yeah. And then later he's like, please flatter yourself. Because I like you. I like you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I am sexually attracted to you. I would praise these two actors till the day I die if they made a sequel to this that is a hardcore gay erotica. Well, first of all, I I wish that they would make a sequel to it, and they were just like a like a, a boring old couple. That's what they should do. Like they are they're past the salad days, and they're just you know they're just together, you know, and getting back into the game. Retired cops that get pulled back into action that just happen to be you know uh, you know married, right? Like, and they pan to the fridge, and there's a bunch of peaches with holes in them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that could yeah. work. Yeah. Um, 
Do you know that uh, Stallone wanted Russell to, I mean, this isn't going to be a surprise, but he wanted Russell to be in The Expendables. And Russell turned it down, and that, that part went to Bruce Willis. So, I mean, basically a, a block of wood. A, apparently a sweetheart on the set. Everybody loved him on Expendables. Didn't he want, like, a lot of money to come back or something? And didn't they write him there? Yeah, he was, like, one of the few people that they wrote completely out, right? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Church? Yeah. Mr. Church? Who, let me ask you a big question here. Who's better at acting, getting electrocuted, Stallone or uh, Russell in this? Stallone. Do you think so? The thing Russell here's goes, the, Russell goes first. Great. I know, but the thing, the thing is, no, I thought. Yeah, Russell oh, goes yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The best thing, Stallone and Schwarzenegger both have their in agony screams that are amazing. Do you know what I'm talking about? They both have their signature I'm in agony sounds. Right. I can't reproduce them, but still, Schwarzenegger's is hilarious. And and Stallone's is way more over the top, no pun intended. I love that sound. I, I mean, those two sounds just got me through a lot of hard times as a teenager. Well, so when they're they're in prison, they get they get yanked from their <laughs> they get yanked from their cells by the bad guy. They get thrown down laundry chute. This one laundry chute. They hit the, the the floor hard, and then uh, these the bad guys surround them. You know, Palance is there, and they have this elaborate setup where they're gonna uh, they string them up, and then they're gonna electrocute them. Like, you know, torture them. And you know, Russell goes first. He says his goodbyes to Stallone. You know, Very sweet. Stallone looks heartbroken. And then I'm sorry, Stallone we never fucked. And Stallone goes next. And yeah, that's and then the then they get rescued by like an old. Does it? If I'm, am I not mistaken? But is there a scene when when Stallone's getting electrocuted? They Kurt Russell goes Tango. Doesn't he say his name like in like this weird kind of like haunted way? I'm sure. I mean, they do genuinely look sad that they're gonna the the, the they're gonna get hurt and the other one's gonna get hurt. They don't like what's happening. They're not into <laughs> it. In fact, Russell is is petrified. Stallone looks a little. Has, you know, no, I think, actually, uh, I remember Kurt Russell is resigned. He's like, it's okay. He says that to like before he's dying or before he's electrocuted. He, he, he looks at Tank. Yeah. He says, it's okay. It's but okay. you remember his mantra during that scene is he keeps telling Stallone, uh, don't let them see you panic. And he keeps saying, I'm, don't panic. Don't I'm panic. Panicking. I'm panicking. <laughs> and, but they should be panicking because they are going to get tortured to death before but that. Then we that. get to meet a character named Matt, which is. Another thing that blows my ass off. Right. Nobody, no, nobody has ever been Matt in him. Nobody said, "Hey, here's a new character introducing halfway to the film called Matt." That doesn't happen. And the guy could not be a worse actor. Could not be delivering his lines with less enthusiasm. Watch it when you watch this movie, listeners. When you watch this movie, I know you will. The line delivery of Matt will never no, be bad. taught in no, any school. Bad. You're right. You're right. It, I didn't know it was noticeably bad. And then he's later. He uh, was like the winner of some radio contest, like here, win a walk-on roll in Tango and Cash if you're caller number 86. And then this guy, this fatty named Matt, got the call. Well, Russell's doing a lot of work in that scene because they, 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 Matt was his old boss, and he's he's doing a lot of hugs, and you know a lot of chumming. You know, I love to see you, Matt. And that guy's giving him nothing. Um. But he's probably confused about what he should be doing in that scene. He was probably cast as like many different roles, and um, then and then uh, it causes this whole. You know, he's he's going to give them the tools to Shawshank their way out of there. And uh, Carl Russell's thrilled. Stallone's very skeptical, and they're both sort of right. 
And then there's this ridiculous escape sequence where Russell goes out and he goes to these ridiculous fan blades. And then somehow Stallone's character ridiculously escapes from his own cell to rescue Gabe Cash. Yeah, it's and a then, double cross. Yeah, and then yeah. Matt is defeated and sent bloody down down the ramp towards Mr. Gabriel Cash. Yeah, yeah so there's a, a lot of effort goes into these. There's a broken fan, then it starts up again, and, and Russell's getting pulled towards it as the bad guys are, are coming towards him. And you think, that okay, well, Russell's gonna escape, but you think one of the bad guys is gonna go get to go through that blender of a fan, right? And it doesn't happen. Nobody gets killed by those fans. Well, not only that, they make it seem like this huge threat, and then Kurt Russell says, "Oh, I can just put my foot here, and I'm fine forever." Yeah, he goes and he does that thing where he goes in the middle of the two fans, the wall between the two fans, and he just waits for the bad guys to shoot him. Basically, he he's tra- he is trapped. And that, by the so, way, guys, zoom in. That's the first appearance of a famous actor, Risa fans. That was nice to see. But Salone shows up and muscles out and, 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 and helps him through. And then they run away. This is great, too. Um, there's this uh, there. It's raining and the co- and all the police people are looking for him and the villains are looking for him. And Kurt Russell's got this idea. Well, let's just, you know, let's shimmy down this 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 wire and zip line our way to freedom. And then, and of course, there's that big battle with Robert Zadar. Salone's but then they land. They're both free on the other side of the fence. He's like, all right, I'll see you. I'll see you. I'll see you guys. See you later, buddy. Yeah, As they, if, they, they part like, ways. Yeah, but they're they they're just on the other side of the fence, and all of a sudden they know how to get home. They've got they've got it all. It's ridiculous. I and mean, how many how many times have guys? I just watched Escape at Denimore. That's just the beginning of the escape. At that point, you don't just get home. You they're gotta, fine. They're, they, they are fine. Really, it's like they're clocking out for the day. They're done. They're going. Get going for drinks. Stallone says, "Meet me up at a, a club." Do you remember the name of the club? Cleopatra's, I think, right? Yeah, Cleopatra. that's where that's um, where Terry Hatcher is. And and Kurt Russell, being we, super super incognito, goes to the police station. Before we leave the police, the the prison, and and in our wake, I want to mention that shower scene again because Kurt Russell is, twice. is soaping up with a bar of soap, the soap that he picks up off the ground. And as you do, relax. Soap and don't flatter yourself. Yeah, and he uh, he soaps up and then he puts the bar of soap in his hair. I didn't catch that. <laughs> he soaps his hair. He soaps his mullet. Are you kidding? Yeah, I guess it's the D uh, DIY. You know, if you don't have any shampoo. <laughs> um. So yeah, so the, now they, they, these guys have to figure out who framed them, right? Who framed them? They know they know it's this ominous looking Jack Palance, but they act like they don't know who he is. They yeah. act like they, they they never heard of this guy that they've been they've been a thorn in his side, but they know they don't know who he is. There's apparently some great shit on the cutting room floor that we're missing out on though, where Jack Palance is introduced. What's his name? Do you remember his name? He's got it's a, a friend. Like- it's, it's like Eve Ren. It's like a it's a French name. Yeah. It's Eve y- something or other. Yeah, Y V E S, but I can't remember his last name. It's uh, uh, Perret. You know, one of the the big thing that he gets to do in this movie, Pounce, is he gets to kiss those mice that he holds up. <laughs> he, he, does. Gets to, he gets to nuzzle with them. I guess that was an acting said, decision. That you, was an said acting you said they're rats. They're absolutely rats because I used to I used to have I used to raise mice and rats in my youth. And mice are small. They're not. They're not. They're, they and they. They're not. They're not really useful in in in, in acting because they're skittish little pieces of shit. But rats are actually smart and fun and bigger, and those are obviously rats. 
do you know that that's one of the reasons that um uh by the way guys rats are great pets let me just go on the record they're smart right they're very fantastic pets i've had great experiences with them um but that's one of the reasons they were looking at that palance like they they actually hired him for this because he had a one on his resume rodent actor (laughs) you know he was he's able to believably act with rodents yeah you know and so that guy that netted him the job and and that's why he was so good with billy crystal and then michael nori couldn't do it so then he got (laughs) billy crystal And Nori in German means rat enjoyer. <laughs> um, so, you know, Kurt Russell eventually winds up at the Cle- Cleopatra's and he, he he catches the eye of Terry Hatcher, who's dancing on the stage. He's sort of interested in what she's doing. You know, he kind of is there to find Stallone, but he's he's distracted by her. But what does she do on stage that struck you as a little strange? She, Sheila eased the shit out of that shit. She's, Starts playing drums, and she uses d- drums to distract people. She sees the cops closing in on Gabe Cash, so she mm-hmm. starts rocking out on the drums to kind of capture them, and then she she makes eye contact with this weird to try to dissuade him from catching Mister Mister Gabriel Cash, who is obviously looking at her and saying, "This is Stallone with a vagina. I could not be more blown away right now." He is like he looks at her as if this woman is reminding me of something that I desperately love, you know, and, (laughs) and, uh, but the the thing that cracks me up about it is that, you know, Terry Hatcher, I know you, she's a very attractive looking woman. She's wearing the silver, like get up, like the silver, you know, and she's wearing like a leotard tights, you know, but then she starts whipping at those drums during her erotic. And they're the electronic. It's two Tom drums. They're electronic. There was a 50 minute window in history where that was cool. She missed it. Was is it now I am not, you know, I wasn't, you know, I was well, how old was I in 89? I mean, I was 17 years old, right? 16, 17 years old. I you know, I wasn't I didn't have much experience. I never went to the strip clubs back then, ever really anyway. But were strippers playing drums? Were they were playing percussion on stage a lot or No, they was left that the beat into the clients. <laughs> <laughs> they did I none wish, of the skin pounding. I wish they would have. Uh, she would have done. What's the twirl that they, they in the air and they catch it? Do they have a name for that? I rock don't. Move? They do. I never learned it. Let's name it. <laughs> let's not. Let's call it. Let's just call it QB. Because <laughs> that name is waiting for for its moment in the sun. Well, the drummer is late because you know Kurt, Ru- uh, Kurt Russell is talking to the to the bartender and the and the and I said the drummer, but the bartender's late with his cue. He's supposed to hand Terry Hatcher those sticks, and she snaps at him. And she said, "Sticks? Yeah. What are you kidding me? This is the climax of my act. The crowd <laughs> is desperate to see her banging away. That is a very and see, zoom in. Even that's, that's cute. That's where half the people from this movie are right now." On the river sticks, just waiting for the fucking coins off their eyes. <laughs> Is that how it works? Yeah, you put your fuck. If you don't pay the ferryman, you don't put the. You don't put the coin on your eyes. You're in limbo forever. You put yeah. the coins on your eyes. You're granted safe passage to the underworld. Right. And um, and it, I'm I'm proud to tell you guys firsthand, Zadar made it. He made it. <laughs> 
he uh but also in this movie he he we he dies in a very how would you describe his death iconic he might be then he might be the best electrocuted electrocuted acting in this right he might have the the trophy for this because he he also has to do the i'm being electrocuted shake (laughs) well sean penn studied his work in this film for dead man walking (laughs) do you remember when he thanked him in his speech (laughs) that's such a great name too zadar it's hard to it's hard it's a hard word it just would be it would be better if he you know if i would give him one piece of advice if i could have gotten in his ear when he was alive and thriving and then i would have you know before he took that first acting role i would just say hey drop the robert you know what i'm saying one one name just go by zadar my friend you know by the way he and jeffrey lewis died in the same year we lost two icons in 95 95 i mean 2005 or 2015 2015, yeah you i was thinking about the the braves winning the world series sorry Uh, it's still fresh on my mind um so uh, so so how does that club scene end nick uh terry hatcher like so they throw some um some nudity in the in the back room that kurt russell oh yeah some some serious heat in there yeah there's yes some heat Couple, couple topless actresses, um, and then but Kurt Russell doesn't narr- doesn't even give them a, a side glance. I mean, he says something about he says something about you know I'm super distracted right now. It doesn't sound it sounds half hearted at best. But him and Terry Hatcher are talking, and then the cops show up. So he has to figure out a way to escape without them seeing <laughs> seeing him. And so yeah. what does he do? What does he do? How uh, does he get out? That's true. He cross dresses. So. You know, Kurt Russell famously played Elvis for John Carpenter, and he, you know, and so there's an Elvis-looking character in the back room with these strippers, and he and he goes, "Hey, what's your size? Like, what what's your jacket size?" So they make you think he's going to dress up like Elvis. Instead, Terry Hatcher dresses up like Elvis, and Kurt Russell dresses in drag—a very unconvincing-looking woman, I'd say. I don't know. That's not for me. Long- Puts on a long wig, and then they do a, you know, they do they play his theme music again? No, they don't actually. Do yes, that's that maybe when they rehash it. Actually, they do a more feminine version of it. Now, does that almost sound like Sesame Street music to you? I get so a little they, Sesame Street vibe from that. Yeah, of course, a little blues traveler or something. Um, <laughs> no, no. So no. they. So Terry Hatcher, obviously, so this Elvis-looking character is leaving the club. The cops surround her, and they do this very funny thing. It's almost like the cops are being the audience. They grab the helmets because she's wearing a motorcycle helmet. You know this, and the cop right before it takes it off, invades her personal space and her rights. Says, "Let's let's have a look." <laughs> <laughs> like he knows that he's about to reveal Kurt Russell to us, yeah. and he doesn't. Reveals Terry Hatcher. And then Kurt Russell shows up in the doorway and stockings and a dress and a, a huge red wig. Um, and you know what? I thought that's looks Stallone, a little, it's like, that, it's like that's the loans thing. That's the loans thing from uh, Nighthawks. That's true. Yeah. That's the loans move. You know, who's the more convincing lady. That is a toss up. My friend, I'd say they both are equally unconvincing. They don't try to make them look 
Actually, I'll tell you what. I think Kurt Russell looks how Laura Dern should look, considering her progeny. Like oh, he looks like yeah. the offspring of Bruce Dern and Gina Rollins or wherever the mom is. He looks <laughs> like that. So I, as a matter guy, of fact, he's, I think I think that was what he was going for. He was he's like he went to the makeup people said Laura Dern the shit out of me, would you? So you know the this very very Kurt Russell looking, very Gabe Cash looking woman walks out the door. The cops that know him, that know him from headlines and probably work with him, don't recognize him. They're like, oh. They're just distracted by how hot he is. And he gets on the back of a motorcycle and this cop says to him, how about a threesome to him and Terry Hatcher? And they both, they double flick in unison a cigarette at this cop's face. <laughs> now, I've never seen that. I've never seen the double the double flick of a cigarette. Um, and they leave. They, they leave and it leads to, actually it leads to a... Um, a scene where all the clothes hit the floor. You think they're having sex, but they're really. Right. He, he what just would have been amazing if this one really had a set on it? He, they, Kurt Russell would like tilt his head when he asked for the threesome, and the next shot is him and Stallone and that guy rolling out of bed together. <laughs> yeah, um, Terry Hatcher gets in the way of the romance in this movie. I'd say, and you know, th- I'm like, we're not saying anything new. This movie's famous for this kind of stuff, but. I think it's like you root for them as a you want them to be together in this. I think um, they they are soulmates. I'd say in this and Terry Hatcher. Is, is, I never I never read anything about the gay subtext. I never paid attention to it when I watched this film because I'm an idiot. So this is a this is news to me because I've been watching this film on surface level since day one. Yeah, they don't make fun. They don't make fun of. I mean, it's like they. They're just happy to be next to each other. That's that's the thing. They're happy to be working together at the end of the movie. You know, they are they are they have a union. You know, they're 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 ha- high-fiving each other. They won, you know, and they're happy. They're happy to be in each other's lives. So, and you know, Terry Hatcher's fine. She's like, "Okay, I'll be here too." I like how we skipped the awful siege on Jack Palance's home base. Well, we skip straight skip to the high five. We skip straight well, to the high five. Well, we don't have to skip it. We'll go. We'll go right there. Um, I think we should skip it. It's dog shit. It is. It takes place it, in like a quarry. I yeah, guess? it's like Jack Reacher esque quarry like sequence. That's just a bunch of wanton destruction and death, so that they can catch up with Jack Palance and shoot him in the head twice. Who cares? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Let's back up a little bit. Let's talk about Michael Jeter really quickly. He plays a uh, a bad guy, a, a corrupt uh, police. I guess he works for the police force and he's sound a engineer, sound engineer. And he, I, my, I love Michael Jeter. I he's do too. Always, I mean, Fisher King great. is kind of my Fisher King and open range are my two movies for him. He, he had, a, he, he was like on a, that Bruce, he was on the, um, I said, Bruce, Burt Reynolds, uh, show evening shade, which he was, he was great. And he, he kind of was just like this presence throughout the nineties. He was one of the AIDS deaths, right? He was like one of those guys who was sort of the face of AIDS at one point. Yeah, and he, he has a very memorable role in Fisher King. He's excellent in that. But he's the thing is, he gets about five minutes of screen time in this, and he's great. You know, he has this very funny, like Kurt Russell's like um, holding like a shotgun to, to trying to make him, you know, admit to what he did. And he's just the way he acts, you know, the way he it's just very comical, I think. And, uh, you know, he, he's in and out of this film, but he, he's good in it. And Kurt Russell, the, another thing that's hilarious is that he gets the goods from Michael Jeter. He gets Jeter to admit that he doctored this audio stuff. 
And the way he presents that information to Sloan, he holds up a cassette. And it's like one of those, remember those colored cassettes? Oh, yeah. I have plenty oh, of those still. Yeah. You know, 60 minute, like 30 minutes on each side, like holds it up triumphantly to Stallone. Look, I got the goods. And Stallone's like, he's like, exonerated. Stallone's like, that's got to be at least a second generation copy. Am I going to tell what the hell's going on? Because you know what I'm talking about. You know, a copy of a copy, man. It's dog shit. But the thing is, Kurt Russell, one of the reasonings behind Kurt Russell knowing he has the upper hand on Michael Jeter is that it's a soundproof room. And then they pan up and you see that there's glass windows right above the monitors. That shit ain't soundproof, dog. That sounds yeah. getting out. Yeah, it's true. I zoomed in. That is not soundproof. That is some it fucking. Isn't. Well, Kurt Russell is definitely shooting up his his audio, his audio palace. Is that what you're talking about? His yeah, his, his little his, yeah, absolutely. And it, and it breaks Michael Jeter's heart. He put a lot of work and effort into into crafting that, you know, that lab, that sound lab, you know. Yep. And Kurt Russell could care less. He's just haphazardly just aiming the shotgun at stuff. And I don't know if the version you saw, I watched it on Stars. They they had this thing, and then Jeter throws in this line. It's like, well, that's okay. At this point, a DirectX plug-in will do the same thing. So, <laughs> You know what happened to me? I watched it on Stars, and my Apple, I have an Apple TV, and it was doing a weird thing where I couldn't pause the movie, right? So I had to back out of it. And every time I resumed it, it would start again on Terry Hatcher's strip tease start performance. <laughs> every time it, it must have been, I had machine a learning right there. That's machine learning. I eventually had to reboot the Apple TV so I could pause that damn movie. Um, Cause I was watching it in spits and fits. Is that what you call it? I don't know. And uh, so do we, are we told that Stallone has a small penis? Is that what they're alluding to? He's got a small Wii in this. Russell says he does in the shower scene, but then Stallone comments on his too. Yeah, but then he says it's a tripod. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, he says that as an insult. No, I think Kurt Russell calls him tripod. Kurt Russell oh. calls him. Yeah. Yeah. So there, he there's a tripod, unless he says that his dick and balls are the same size, which is sad, but he calls him tripod, which is usually a compliment. They're con they're, he's keeping you uh, anybody's guess on the, on the genital length down there on the, on the dick link. It, it could be any, anything you never know. They don't. Did you know if there's a director's cut where they explain we it? Could, we could devote a whole episode to that. I think. Mm -hmm. Zoom um, in. So there's a point where I think Terry Hatcher asked Stallone where he's going to go, you know, like where, where he's out of jail, where he's going to go now. And Stallone says the North pole would be nice. <laughs> Which is another innuendo. I'm assuming, right? <laughs> Either that or his character is, contemplating taking over Santa's job. That's the only thing I can figure out. Like what the North pole would be nice. I mean, I tell you what Stallone Ray Tango is a mystery. You know, I get, I get Gabe, I get Gabe cash. He's explainable. Ray Tango. I don't, I know. And the funny thing is as physically imposing as Stallone is, he's, he's rather cowardly in some elements, which I love. I do too. I love the way he plays it. I mean, he, that's what I'm saying. He plays a nice guy. He's supposed to be this badass cop, but for the most part, he's just kind of a a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> and he's talking about like he's talking about stocks. He says that at one point to Catherine, his sister, he's he's trying to get her to to buy stocks, and he's like he even offers to buy her a bond. Yeah. It's oh yeah. He says that he says the bond. He says seven and a quarter yield. Well, yeah. Stallone says that line. He also says that in the shower scene. 
<laughs> oh my god, this this I have to say this movie is charming. As it hell. is, I, yeah. Um, and, and Stallone even has a secret handshake with his sister. They have this weird handshake that they do. I don't remember that. Yeah, they uh, there's a scene when you know he's kind of giving her grief about being a dancer, and she's mad at him. She's like, "All this shit you're going through, and you're giving me shit about my career." And then they they still love each other, and they do it like on the way out. They do a secret handshake. And it's funny, like, or it's not secret. It's it's loud and proud. Actually, I should have I should have paid more attention when I was watching this, and like as a young man, because a lot of that subtext is kind of on the surface. And that scene where he's offering to buy her bonds, like what would our parents have done? And they pan over and there's a photograph of six men. <laughs> well, speaking of bonds, what did you make of Michael? Uh, uh, What's his name? Michael Pollock. I hate Michael him. Pol- Pollard. I Pollard, hate him yeah. so much. I hate him so much as an actor. I hate him in this movie. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to see. Yeah, he's dead. And he Not was in sure. what Bonnie and Clyde. He's known for Bonnie and Clyde, but I think he might have won an might have won an Oscar for it. Yeah, might he uh, he bothers the shit out of me. And and there's this awkward scenes where he's on the video monitor constantly supplying what's supposed to be you know comic relief as he's his his vehicle is destroyed. So he has he has a he has a lab like Q, and he has a he has a, at one point there's Kurt Russell's kind of giving it the and still on the tour, or I think Kurt Russell's in this scene. But there's a uh, home security. Stuffed Doberman, yeah, with a gun in its mouth that blows up. Yeah, big joke. For, and then he's the guy at the end that supplies the for for no reason <laughs> the soup the supercar that yeah. Tango and Cash are thrilled to have in their lives. Like I, there's they a three minute scene, very little of it. Well, there's a three minute scene where Kurt Russell is acting like he is getting that he hit the lottery, like he is rounding that. I don't know what is it like a it's a, a souped up minivan. It looks or truck. I believe it was a souped up, up Chevy Lumina that they had tweaked for this. There's like but guns he, his hanging out. The selling point is that he's fully insured, so that Michael J. Pollard doesn't have to worry. Yeah, well, and, it's a uh, prototype. Pollard doesn't want to let it out of his grasp, but it's a, uh, the Tango Cash insist that they need it to storm Michael uh, Palance's quarry. Hideout. Jack Jack Palance. Oh, sorry, sorry, Jack Palance. Um. He of the one arm push up at the Oscars. Did it remind you of another movie that we did on this very podcast? What? Black, Black Moon Rising, my friend. Oh, okay. Another supercar. What car is more more or less famous? Which I think they're, they're, they're fighting tooth and nail for that distinction. I think anybody they owns both, this they one. They both took a giant wet shit on their audience. <laughs> Stevie Wonder joking on, as their rating, by the way. It's rough. Rough, yeah, and apparently that was rehashed from another movie, Lethal Weapon, or something. Um, and the, the car's on fire, and Russell says, We're cooking now. They can't, they it's like it's like the movie's ending, they know it, and they're trying to bust out so many quips that don't work, uh, so many like 10 eared quips. But, um, anyway, how do you think it ends then? What do you think? Pretty bad. Yeah, I mean the last act is weak, and it, it's—I it's, don't think they realize the currency they had in just these two guys together. They, when they start to throw action, you know, sequences into it, it always—it's so rare that a film is able to to take that and make it interesting. It just gets just tired. And it's the one thing you know—you think of, viewed through the lens, you think about action films. Um, and and in 1988, whenever they were making this movie, they had to realize that films that were uh, even like French Connection era stuff that stuff doesn't age well. 
the stuff that ages well is dialogue and 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 rapport and they should double down on that because the one thing that's timeless is that but yet these films always get caught in the quandary of of trying to deliver eye candy and action in in, in a genre where the uh the technology and the, and the style moves so fast that by the time you're on screen you're a dinosaur so uh, yeah they make the age old mistake of just of succumbing to the of the of the structure and 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 we don't need it it's dumb it is age really bad and we have two mega stars who are still relevant in 2020 at the peak of their height of their fame that's all you need i just want to see these guys bounce off one another and yet they're doing this awful action cliche shit yeah and the movie certainly like that that's that's why it it's worth watching is because it coasts on the charms of these two actors and their relationship. But you're right at the end, it's almost like the movie, the behind the scenes drama must have caught up with it where, you know, the first half of the movie, it's fun. It's, it's, it's better. And the, the last half is just kind of a mess um, where if things are happening, floating around, there's some, you know, like you said, like some, uninspired action stuff happening. And then the, the bad guy gets shot twice in a hall of mirrors, right? Shot twice in the head. The funny thing is here's a testament to this movie. I've, uh, I've loved this movie since the beginning. I've seen it a bunch of times, but I don't remember anything in the third act because I must've turned it off because all the best stuff is front loaded in this movie. You know, it's a sign of, 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 of a, of a winning film or a film that achieves its goal early on that, all that bad shit doesn't affect the ultimate product that this is still like a, a beloved little movie. Well, another thing that I liked about it too, is that every movie like this had a, the cop character, the, the boss character, the, you know, like the guy that was in charge, the captain, he's always given uh, shit to the, he always hated his, you know, these, the cops, he was always reprimanding them. Jeffrey Lewis loves them. Like he's, he's, he's all in for, with Tango and cash. He's not mad at them. He's hell, trying to help them. Yep, and, and Louis Arquette is a is a corrupt FBI agent, and he pays the price instantly. Gets blown up. Yep, gets blown under. Yeah, yeah, he gets. He's, Stallone tries to get him to fess up why he took the money, and then you know Louis Arquette's trying to think of everything, but he, and then he, he the best is he puts a slip on Stallone. Stallone's got a gun to him, and he still gets away and blows himself up. Um, anyway, and uh, talk, talk about a family. That's that's an interesting family. Uh, Rosanna, David, Alexis, and Lewis. Alexis, Alexis Lewis. is no more. Lu- he's also riding that secret boat. And uh, Patricia, Patricia, Patricia's the the champion of that family somehow. Rosanna for a long time, and Patricia took the lead. David, David never. David Arquette still working, right? Isn't he a wrestler? Isn't he, he way, wrestling? He worked with he worked with Kurt Russell again in David Arquette and Kurt Russell. I don't know. Bone Tomahawk. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kurt Russell. How do you not love love that guy to death? Love him. You know what's funny is he's one of those guys where he he's sort of he's sort of a name brand to an extent, but not he should be uttered in the same breath as Jeff Bridges. I think their careers have have had a similar life, yet and, and I'd say Kurt Russell's actually had more iconic characters, but they've been kind of pulp characters, so they haven't been as resonant. Bridges is an A-lister and Kurt Russell's a B-lister. And that's not fair because you think about even from his Disney days, Kurt Russell has been relevant since the 60s. Yeah, he's just like a, he shows up on set, looks like he's having a blast. You know, and the thing like 
he's he's made some classics, obviously, and he's he he can be a very serious dramatic actor too. But um, I guess you you know Sloan's talking about playing Santa in this movie going to the North Pole, but Kurt Russell ended up being Santa. He's going to be in. I think he has a Santa franchise going now. And and the fa- the funny thing is, is probably more people have seen that than they have the thing and Big Trouble put together, thanks to Netflix. Yeah, and he's. I mean, his his performance in Big Trouble in Little China is. It's it's so off the deep end. It's 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 amazing. And he well, I mean, escape thing, from New York. It's the thing. It's ego, it's, our masterworks. It's egoless. Like he, you know, I don't know what he's like, but I mean that movie sh- shits on him, <laughs> and he loves it. Like he, well, you know, what I'm saying all you got to do is listen to his commentary tracks to realize what a fun goofball he is. Because all he does is giggle like an idiot at the ludicrous shit he's been asked to do on screen. Yeah. He's an absolute, like, I don't know how, like, how do you live in Hollywood your whole life and be a star your whole life and not be jaded and be amazing? You know, from all accounts, that guy is a joy to work with. I've interviewed him like two or three times over the, my career, and he was always an absolute charm. You, you, and there's not a bad bit of gossip about him. He is just one of those people that has never bought into the bullshit of Hollywood. And I think Bridges is, is cut from the same cloth, but... You know, that guy, I don't know. You know, I have a friend who's, uh, who hates Kurt Russell. And I, and I was like, how? I mean, I, I guess you can have a chemical reaction like I did with Elizabeth Moss, but how the hell do you hate that guy? He is just a miracle. He's a miracle. And, and his name alone on a film justifies watching it. What's, this, what's the movie he did with? Maybe the only movie he's ever seen is the one he did with Seagal. Oh, Executive Decision? He's great in that movie. And or, he's, you know, it's funny. Tequila Sunrise, Tequila Sunrise. That's what a great movie too. Him and Mel Gibson, he's great in that. He's even Dark Blue, which was like his attempt at a training day. It's a pretty good little movie. Mm-hmm. It's pretty solid. And Lolita Davidovich show up in that one? I think so. It's a Ron Shelton movie, so of course she shows up. And even a movie I don't like, Grindhouse, it's certainly, I certainly don't dislike it because of him. He's great in that movie. Yeah. What's his stuntman? Mike. Something? Stuntman Mike? Yeah. Death Proof. All right. Well, I was pleasantly surprised by this one, Nick. I was not looking forward to watching it for some reason, and I really ended up enjoying it. Um, I don't know why. And, you no. know, Empire. If you guys get Empire or you have you, the the British magazine, they did a story about this movie. I think a month or two ago about the behind the scenes drama. Um, that was pretty fun to read. Um, that's a great magazine, by the way. It's I a great it. magazine, but I don't understand why. I mean, who cares about behind the scenes of a movie like this? It's it's a movie that is a goofball movie that has no, no intentions on anything other than mindless entertainment to just dwell on anything. But okay. I'm sorry. I What's care. the international box office on this then? I don't know how it did. Was it a failure? I, you know, we should look this kind of stuff up. I don't think it was a huge failure. I mean, it, I think those guys were disappointed. And I, I remember, I remember I worked at the movie theater when this came out and I was super excited about it. And I, it didn't get the buy-in, but like I said, it was a, about four years too late for its heyday. I'm with Stallone, man. I'd I'd love to see a sequel to this. Absolutely, I'd love to see those two together. Come on, come on, Kurt. I mean, Kurt, what's he doing? He could do this easily. Well, the great thing too is it could be a story of unrequited love. Like Tango and Cash never hooked up. They're both they both finished out their careers. They're both maybe maybe Stallone's character is uh, is in the market and, and Kurt Russell's written a couple of biographies or whatever he's written a couple of police dramas he's like like a low rent uh, you know like a low rent Don Winslow and then they find yeah. each other again you know there's a there's a crime that brings them together they fall in love and then they they have wet hot gay sex for like the last hour of the film it's perfect 
wonder if there was any because you know that people produce those like erotic like slash fiction or whatever i don't know what that what's that genre is called where they pair they ship people right they ship people and they put them in sex scenes they write them up on the internet i wonder if anybody's ever dabbled in the old tango and cash erotica maybe that's something you and i could collaborate on i'm down yeah yeah i mean i all i know is i think we've just i'm down down because the the pandemic i'm down super down oh you're down to do it you got covid fever (laughs) i first here's the first line of the story Mm -hmm. red tango is a power bottom doesn't see. <laughs> I would start things off a little bit. I would tease it. Ray Ray Tango is cleaning his gigantic glasses. <laughs> Do you hear? Do you see Stallone? Those are his glasses. He brought makes, those. Yep, yep. It makes me happy. He those are ridiculous glasses. He looks pretty great in them. Well, any, I think. Any, I think any, the problem was is his persona was of this monosyllabic idiot even though that was so far from the truth when you hear any interview with the guy but his persona was this monoslavic idiot so the fact that just seeing him in glasses instantly added this level of intellectualism to him that never existed right yeah yeah you're right you're right um i it just it just cracks me up that they that they make his character to be like this bookish nerd like why would you know you think that Sloan would want to be like a badass cop? Like Kurt Russell's obviously the kind of the rigs in this. Um but you know, you think Stallone would want to be equally like cool, but he's a nerd in this. Yeah. I mean you see that staying at home when he's drinking out of that Star Wars mug. It's all said and done. <laughs> Defending your nerd choice. So let's let's do the work. Okay. Let's do the work. So you have been granted uh uh, a gift certificate to the local tattoo parlor, and they've asked you to get a tattoo uh, of Tango and Cash emblazoned on your persona. Where and what does that take shape? You know, I think I would immortalize that that weird choice that Kurt Russell makes in this. I would just, first of all, I would love to have Kurt Russell's uh, mullet mulleted head on my on my shoulder or somewhere like that on my arm. But him uh, rubbing uh, that soap bar into his into his his I hair. I didn't see that. I gotta watch like it again. A, with like a soapy like it, it, it leaves like that. It leaves like a. I mean, he really gets it on there. Like uh, it's leaving the soap residue all over there. So, and it's just that's how they kind of end the scene too. He like wipes his hair with that bar of soap and then they move on. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I would get that. I would get him putting um, a bar of soap to his to his to his hell his hair his scalp. So I've gone to a, a black market tattoo parlor and I have gotten uh, like this, um, like the, you look at my, you look at my, like my, uh, what you, my solar plexus and it's, 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 it's muddy. It's weird. It's like a bumpy. It's like something that's like, a, I've got like a, like a shadow run style, like uh, microchip circuitry embedded underneath the uh, flesh there on the surface. You see a, like a really nice, a wide open pizza box with a hand reaching towards it. Right, you don't know what the fuck's going on, but then you press on my on my solar plexus, and this happens. I got like a little microchip embedded in my skin. You would tattoo the music into you. I would have a a a an interactive solar plexus. I'd love to see you in jail over that for copyright. That'd be amazing. <laughs> 
Why are you in jail, Nick? Well, let me tell you. Yeah. Um, do you and think then, that and then I get Lars Ulrich, Lars Ulrich gets me out? <laughs> do you think that? Do you think that? Um, Kurt Russell, that you're talking about the scene when he there's somebody has an open pizza box box uh, in the police station. He, like you said before, he says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, pizza!" Like he grabs it, and it cuts instantly, and it's just a great character moment. Had to be improvised. It's one of the moments that instantly made me fall in love with this film. And he um, he thrilled the pizzas there, hungry obviously. But do you think do you feel that he's the Michelangelo of this film, as in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, my friend? Because Michelangelo, I believe, was the one that was always. I mean, they all love pizza, but especially him. You know, and See, that, I, that would well, that would make Stallone the Donatello, I think, of the film. Donatello was the staff user, right? Uh, I don't know, but he was the nerd. He was the tech nerd. I just know them by their weapons, man. Uh, I'm not well, sure. I know, I know that Tango wasn't uh, Leonardo. I think he had size, and we know Tango doesn't. Leonardo's certainly the lead. He's like the he's like the leader, and then you know uh, Raphael is the rude. He's the rude Raph. Like so, I, I won't, neither of the characters are rude. I guess we could say Terry Hatcher can be April. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about. Let's, yeah. but I don't know who. You know, there's not enough. I'd have to say. I mean, Brian James is the Casey Jones of this movie. No doubt. Palance has to be Shredder because he's fucking rat. Who's Zadar? I wonder. Well, we're running out of characters. There's Shredder. He'd have to be Shredder. And Splinter, then no, Splinter is, is uh, Palance. Jeffrey Lewis. No, no, Shredder is Jeffrey. But is, isn't Splinter Splinter's the, the, their mentor, right? So that but could he's be a rat. So it has to be. Fuck, you're right. Jack. It's getting confusing. You know, we have leftover turtles. That's what I'm. I'm trying to. Maybe we could leave it up to the audience to see who, who would they pin uh, Leonardo and Raphael what to? Do you, what do you think's better, leftover turtles or secondhand lions? Like I'm torn. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. All right. Uh, uh, okay, so you have been given a massive uh, expenditure to create your own Tango and Cash related attraction slash. Enterprise got a lot of options. I got, I got it. So I got it for real. Okay, this let's hear. I just do a zipline attraction for this. They zipline out of the out of the um that prison, and it is they use their belts. And it's it's one of those scenes. It takes a long time because they have to jump and 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 rain to this uh you know this power cord like this power line, and um and they both have to make a like a death defying leap and yep. slow motion to it you know it's and they have to grab it and it's wet out they have to grab it with their bare hands and they both they both make it that's what i would do i'd make a very hazardous zip line where you have to jump off a ledge uh and you know on a, on a wet power line <laughs> and then zip down it i think that would be fun Hell and yeah. then of course at the end there's there's like a, a 30 foot drop on, onto the grass, just like you know. I think we can realize that's a fun ride. That's a great ride. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I go to the Gar- Gar- Nick guarantee. My guarantee, you break a bone, at the very <laughs> least. My my guarantee. Nice. Yeah. Um, I get the seediest Vegas motel where the raunchiest sex happens. Okay. Where you know you're gonna sc- screw to your blood comes out, and the the rooms are only for fucking. 
And, you know, every every room has like one of those beds that spins around. It's heart shaped. It's got vibrations. You know, you put a quarter in there and things happen. And we have a, a Stallone imposter, like a like a celebrity impersonator mm-hmm. who uh, who while you're doing the sex act uh, is off to the side making comments like thinking it's a massage. He's like, what are you like working on the old glutes there, working the old pec muscles there? You know, so it's a kind of a spin on what happens in Tango and Cash. But you're in there raunching out, and you got this Stallone impersonator. Oh, could you use Frank Stallone? And they're just like commenting on your act, but PGing the shit out of it. What if you could only perform when Frank, Frank Stallone was in the room? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's the one thing that that get that gets you going. He's like your Viagra. Actually, he's perfect uh, for if you want to no, prolong. You could, the- you, you could just you could just stop it right there. He's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only thing approaching a hit song is called far from over so he's keeping you going keeping it rock solid yeah how does that how does his hit song go do you remember because this is far from over yeah um i love trump he's a big trump guy isn't he yeah um i you know that's good i no wonder trump's so emboldened lately he's got frank stallone in his corner he's got stallone he's got james woods got the a-list representing so, uh, what was I going to say about this? You haven't done your Stallone impression, which is pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's it's okay. I it's it's spontaneous. I'm not good. I'm not good at impersonations. You're good when we're watching it. Stallone yeah, together. I can't do it. Yeah, I can't do it. Like you know, I can't do it in the moment though. I'm not good. That's why. That's why I have. Uh, I've can't I've, do it in the moment unless Frank Stallone's standing at your side. You know what I'm saying? If Frank Stallone's standing at my side. There's a lot of shit I can do. What do you think is the there were Stallone, you know, Sylvester's and Frank's relationship? They love one another. Uh, Frank is definitely older, so they love one another. Stallone's given a lot of things, and and you could tell that there's a begrudging. Stallone realizes his brother's a fucking you know like a luddite, Cro Magnon nuisance, but he 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 hum, you know he humors him. He tolerates and, him. Yeah, but there's love there. There's obviously love there. Do you think and, that do you think that Tom Hanks has the same love for Jim Hanks? Absolutely. Absolutely. Another, another you know, brother of a famous actor that is a like, you know, failed actor. And if I could, and if I could, if I could be uh, as bold to venture Stuart Zadar also like that, he's a sweetie. It's got a gigantic <laughs> forehead. <laughs> I can think of Clint Howard, Ron's bro. <laughs> Did I, you know that story, right? What? So on the set of Grizzly Park, Rance Howard was one of the, lead actors in grizzly park yeah movie you produced yeah so i was there and uh, i was in a room it was me and like a handful of people and and, and rance howard and i i did this huge build-up i said look everybody i know everybody always wants to talk to you ask you questions about your son about what a legend he is and how influential he's been i was like i'm, I'm sure you're tired of it but tell me more about clint <laughs> <laughs> and there was a moment of absolute dead silence in that room, dead silence. <laughs> what he did? What did he do? Did he laugh his ass off? No, and then he, and then he, 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 he kind of sized me up a little bit, and then he realized that I was making a joke, but I also obviously love Clint Howard. Mm-hmm. So he was actually, he was, it was awesome. But there was this moment, probably like ten seconds of uncertainty, where is this guy pulling my dick? And then it was magic because he, because how often does he get a chance to talk about Clint Howard? 
So I Never. no, I, so I actually Never. had I got to hang out in a room with with Rance Howard talking about not mentioning Ron Howard and just talking about Clint, and that had to make him feel good. He died shortly after. Was Grizzly Parks one of his last movies, huh? Yeah, yeah. I gave him I gave him two coins and said, "I'll see you soon, buddy." Well, he went out on top. <laughs> All right, so you have been uh you are now a part of the cast and, and crew of Tango and Cash. You're part of the cinematic universe. Where does your uh, where does your role take place? Oh man, this is a toughie. Um there's you know, there's not a lot of room in this film for other people other than the two main characters. Now, another thing that I love, I have to say I love this about Palance in this. I'm going to bring it up. At one point, he calls them Cash and Tango. Yes. He reverses. <laughs> he, goes, he, goes, he goes, Cash and Tango. Tango and Cash. He makes a but point. I, to, yeah. I love that he flips the title. Like that, that, that is almost like the most despicable thing he does in the movie. Is he, he, he wrong order names them. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember, they were shooting it as the setup. It was originally called the setup. Yeah. So at that point, maybe maybe he was what actually sent it over the top. They're like, man, when it didn't roll off the tongue until Jack Pounds showed us how it doesn't roll off the tongue the other way. He probably took the director aside, one of the directors, and said, "Cash and Tango feels wrong in my mouth." <laughs> so perfect, maybe it's all this rat hair. Perfect. Was he? You think he was spitting out rat? <laughs> 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 those poor those poor rats traumatized got palin's face real close up uh you know what's sad is they the, rats have know, nightmares well rats don't you live know. as long i mean they get tumors pretty quick and they, they live four four years maybe but it's sad because cuff and link from rocky are still kicking it and damascus and d'artagnan from uh tango and cash died died like in the 90s man oh my god nick you know what what Stallone, Donatello, right? Cuff and Link. Kurt Russell, Michelangelo, and Cuff and Link could be Leonardo. <laughs> yes. And Raphael. Because Stallone has these long living turtles, right? Like That's right. Does he ever you follow him on Instagram, right? Or something. Does he post oh, about Yeah, he he did a couple like about a year ago. He showed it was like their forty something birthday or some shit like that. Yeah. Cuff and Link's still living. Buckus is dead, but Cuff and Link move on. Who's but who's Buckus? Buckus was his dog in Rocky. Hey, Buckus! Hey! You know he's, he's I think he's remar- to Joe Spinell, who's also hardcore hightailing it down the Charon's Highway. <laughs> All right, what have you thought about a character you would play oh, in just, this? Oh goddamn! Um, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I'm Stallone's Matt. Was like that he, like you know Kurt Kurt Russell had his Matt who helped bail him out of prison and then died. Oh, I'm right. Stallone's Matt. Like so, I was boss. right. So boss. I also work at the prison, and I've got an escape idea in mind too. Right. And uh, I never get my chance to shine. So there's a scene that they cut out of the movie. Sadly, we're at, we're in the mess hall, and I'm whispering to him about this idea. It's like, all right, think about this. What is let's say you design prisons and you you go into prisons and you get locked up and you got to figure out a way out because nobody else knows the escape plan. And 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 you see Ray Tango like a little light bulb go off. Lo and do behold, think, 
there's a trilogy in the 2000s. Does he think you think this movie inspired that franchise? Stallone was like, hey, don't forget. Don't forget the classic 90s film Lockup. Yeah, I can't. Where Stallone and Donald Sutherland square off. Oh, God. Don't you dare. I can't forget it, and we're going to do it. I, I, well, hell yeah, because I love that movie. And, he, and, and, and the best name ever for a villain character, Warden Drumgool. <laughs> and there's this scene where Stallone goes, Drumgool! He's like yelling his name Drum goal! Because Gil Bellows got killed. <laughs> Wait, Gil Bellows gets killed in Shawshank. Oh shit, maybe that's the one. No, Larry Romano gets killed in that one. Okay, okay. By the yeah. way, let me zoom in. Larry Romano dated my cousin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know who that is. What are you talking about? Larry Romano's an actor in the from the Bronx who was in lockup and then he went to jail. Race dad? <laughs> no. No. Oh my god. So I met I met Romano as a young tyke when he was dating my cousin. Jesus Christ, was Frank Stallone in the room? Did they hit <laughs> did they knock boots? <laughs> Speaking of boots, Kurt Russell has a uh his boot his boots fire buckshot. Yeah. He's got trick boots in this, Nick. He does. He has custom Michael J. Pollard designed shotgun boots. <laughs> uh, I would play the third rat. Or as, as Pilot says, the mouse, a mice. I'd play the third rat that's left in the box, and I'd be representing Terry Hatcher's character. And so when Palance pulls them out, the two the, the you know the 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 mice that are supposed to represent Tango and Cash. I would be kept the mouse that was supposed to rep- represent Catherine, who later does figure into the kidnapping plot. He does; she is part of the plot. But I don't ever get pulled out of the box. I get left there, just like Terry Hatcher is left to the side of this film. My representative rat or mouse would get left to the side, and I'd be in that box. Like again, you know, I'm not getting put in the glass maids. I don't get to do anything fun. You know, I just kind of have a inferiority complex, like. In my real life, so that's how I'd play. I'd, and then Palin's never kisses me, you know. Yeah, Kurt Russell I, never kisses kisses Terry Hatcher. It just makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's funny too because Stallone was he wasn't in the scene, but he was there on the day they shot the nightclub sequence of Cleopatra. Mm-hmm. And Terry Hatcher was doing her scene, and Stallone was really impressed. And she goes, "How'd I do?" He goes, "You drum good." <laughs> and a feature film was born. <laughs> I do. Uh, she had to be confused on this a little bit. Hey, she She's was like the whole beginning of her career. She was working with two A-listers. She loved every minute of it. No, because she was. She had to be the whole time going. They cast me because I look like Stallone. Is that what they're saying? <laughs> I look like a female version of Sylvester Stallone. Um, uh, all right. So yeah, you uh, you're on an island, right? You've been gathering debris all these years from various features. And now it's, the time has come for you to gather a remnant from Tango and Cash to add to your debris pile. Yeah, to keep a, a keepsake for your island to remember this movie by or to, or to use to survive, right? I mean, right. I have an idea. 
what I would take. What about you? I, I, I feel like you would take that music. No, no, go ahead. And if you have an idea, run at it. Well, my the thing that really stuck out to me. Is, hey, well, wait a second. Look at the screen. Do you see like this line between us with like smoke? Yeah. What is that? Is there a third party? Yeah, what is that? It's on your side. But it's not. Well, it's it's got to be. Oh, it's the okay. It's the it's the it's the yeah, pylon. It's the pylon. Okay, and it's the smoker, right? Like your no. It, this is just it's just a wooden beam. Oh, okay. And it's just be it's just looking weird. It's just smoke coming out. Yeah. All right. Sorry, I didn't mean to ruin everything. From your Traeger. No, it's from my fire pit. Traeger's oh. over there, dog. All right. Um, <clears throat> there's a scene when Kurt Russell is doing some investigating. He has to break into Michael Jeter's audio studio, and he. He takes out a tool, and it is a bullet. Oh my like god! A, it's a huge a bullet, pick. but it's actually a lockpick. It's a, it's a. I don't know why that they would make like that. That Michael Pollard's character would make a trick bullet that <laughs> that has a lockpick inside of it, but Kurt Russell then you know gets into the place. So I, I would take that just because that's a curiosity. That's that's like a a draft. Like I guess we could make a lockpick disguised as a bullet, and then they just like oh, let's just go with it, you yeah. Know? And so I'd take that, yeah. And by lockpick, it has one. It's just yeah. like one protrusion. It is not a lockpick. It's just like one protrusion, and somehow he's able to make it work. Yeah, it looks like a it looks like a toothpick almost. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're not meant to question Gabriel Cash's methods. So my island, uh, you know, it's known for its uh, its mountainous terrain, and. Okay. Uh, if you're lucky to catch me in my morning routine, I'll get, I get a steaming hot cup of coffee. I go to the top of this rock face, and there's this um, this uh, chiseled out of molten lava that's been hardened into a staircase. Oh, wow. It takes you to the top of my island to where I keep the uh, a certain body. But at the top of that staircase every morning with my coffee, you will see me unleash an encrusted in Clint Howard DNA slinky just bounding down that staircase every morning. <laughs> do you remember do you remember the the tagline for Slinky? It's fun for a girl and a boy. That was their big it's fun for a girl and a boy. Were they they say it sounds like defensive. Did they, yeah. were they worried that it was just going to there people are going to think it was just fun for a boy or or a girl, one or the other. But I'm just wondering if they had to put both in there cuz the people it, were were they misrepresenting slinky is it first no i think they were trying to rhyme it with toy it's slinky it's slinky a wonderful wonderful toy it's slinky it's slinky it's fun for a girl and a boy especially girls it's a toy he zoomed in um especially girls you ever have a slinky fuck yeah man i've had the metal i've had the plastic i've failed with both i've gotten entangled in them both they're useless Mm -hmm. to get a slinky works uh, maybe twelve percent of the time. Most yeah. of the time, it's a it's a hard. It's like a it's like a meteorologist, man. It fails more than it works, yet it's still a toy we know of. It's pretty great. I I, I stay away from them, but um, that'd be a weird thing to be really good at slinky. You know what I'm saying? Like if you were just like you practiced and you were good, and you got your success rate up to about thirty three percent or something. That's huge. You know? That's huge. Yeah, that's like that's like platinum member of slinky. Metal or plastic for you on Slinky? Well, obviously metal. Yeah, old school. 
I mean, plastic was just a that's a, that's in it. That's that's your parents telling you they don't love you. Yeah, that's true. But then you get the color options. But what, here's the the sad, ugly truth about those metal slinkies: mm-hmm. pinch the daylights out of you. You get pinched to death. I think anybody ever got killed with a slink by a slinky? Like tripped no. over it? Maybe. Harmless then. I don't know. I haven't I haven't held one of those for a long time, my friend. Can you imagine the the horror of uh, growing up in a in a lower to middle class household Christmas Day? You unwrap that fucking prize under the tree in your one story no stairs having fucking family, and there's a slinky in there, Dad. Why the fuck you gave me a slinky? I got no stairs. We live on one floor. He's like your friend. Your friends have stairs, don't they? And then he's just in like this self hate spiral on Christmas Day. No, no. What is that? His dad gives him the meanest stare. He's like, "You got one now, bitch." <laughs> that is a stocking stuffer. You should never be opening a slinky as your big gift. That is a stocking stuffer, at best. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's something that Santa shits out. Speaking of underappreciated stocking stuffers, Kurt Russell. I mean, speaking of stocks, <laughs> Tango. Yeah. So what? What's the movie you? We, I think. Let me just say this again. No one ever need talk about this film again. We put. We put it to bed, Nick. Yeah. We zoomed in hard. Yeah, uncovered all the truth. It's done. There's no reason you can watch it now. Just don't. There's no reason to try to dig up anything else. You know, uh, other than who directed, I can't remember his name. But um, Andre Kotelevsky or whatever. Yeah, what, yeah. What's his big film? Is he? He got obviously fired off of this. Oh, his big film is Tango and Cash. Is it? Yeah. Um, I gotta give some credit to this guy. This movie, I think, maybe would have been a lot worse in somebody else's hands. Yep. Playful movie. Anyway, uh, what's a movie that you could recommend the uh, people that are trying to navigate the plague here? Go ahead. Stay home. I don't have. I don't haven't thought of anything. This is your. This is your capper idea. I don't like it. You don't want to do it again? We don't need to help. We don't need to help. What does that mean? We can't help these people. I never said we could. We could recommend. I mean, I think people listen to it. They're like, what do these guys recommend? I really am influenced by their tastes. <laughs> it happens. I need to know. Yeah. And then we, and then they're, they're, they're putting our, all their faith in us. And then we uncork the most generic shit ever. <laughs> well, try to, try to do one, try to make, make, make it something interesting happen. All right. If something comes to mind, go ahead. But Oof. I'm in hell. Julie's gold? <laughs> <laughs> give up on just give up. Just just fold into the into this mess and watch Julie's gold. <laughs> just give up. By by the way, Peter Fonda dead r.i.p super dead yep um, the Charon. what do you think he said he said pay up dog that's that that's straight from that's ripped straight from greek mythology um 
Damn. Think Walt, think Walt Whitman. Think Walt Whitman ever met the chair, the, the, you know, the river sticks. You ever think he floated? I don't think so. Sh- on, I that, think that, on that vessel. I think, I think, uh, I think it's pronounced Karen. Actually. I think the Karen saw him approaching and said, this guy has got his head so far up his own ass. This train is leaving the station. Is it Karen? Yeah, it's pronounced Karen. I think that's the original. Why do I? And I said no, no. I, I mean, Sharon. I mean, Sharon makes more sense. Mm-hmm. But I think it's pronounced Karen. Like if you were to well, be Karen like, makes, Karen you're... makes more sense these days. That's that's a name that's in the news a lot. Embarrassing. Pop culture. It's embarrassing. Pop culture. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I just wonder Walt Whitman. He talked. He probably talked the Karen's ear off. You know, I still got ideas for poetry. And and, and then like if he had a voice box, the, the river sticks ferryman would have said, I have heard stories of yours for millennia. You got nothing dog. I think Walt women, you can, you know, what if you can, you get to a spot in the afterlife where you can do anything you want. You think he's kicking back watching Tango and cash. I think he's probably blown away. He's like, you know, he's funny. I, I spent the majority of my lifetime as a poet, but it was that latter moments as a chocolatier that really caught on. <laughs> His final act. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put a, a this tasteful thing inside of a tasteful thing and see if people buy into it. <laughs> and uh, his legacy. Yeah, he's like, he's like, you think you got caramel, but you got coconut, bitch. 